You are listening to The Winning Mind Podcast. I am Letitia DeSouz. I am a mindset coach and business strategist who has helped more than 1,200 people change their lives, their relationships, their businesses, and just win in life. There's a myriad of reasons why we're not winning in life. Most people don't really play to win. They play not to lose. And what winning really means is becoming a better version of yourself each and every day. We can do this together. Hi, beautiful people. It's Letitia. I hope your day is off to a great start. I always wonder how many of you listen. I know some of y'all listen like first thing in the morning when the podcast is actually released. Y'all just amaze me every single week. From last week's episode, I love you just because. Do you know how many people I had just randomly out of nowhere texting me or saying, Letitia, I love you just because? I mean, y'all are just everything. Y'all got me over here feeling all warm and fuzzy and special. But I really, really appreciate y'all. I'm telling you, like the feedback is just um, overwhelming, equally as important than that. I appreciate when you all share with me or ask or request me to talk about certain things or dig into certain things because, you know, I'm open and I'm just like, okay, let's let's just get into it. So I really appreciate that as well. So a lot of the things that I'll be talking about are things that I have gotten actually gotten from some of you. So deep appreciation for each and every one of you. Keep sharing the podcast. What's new I had such a beautiful week. When I say a beautiful week, I was heavy on the self-care. And I know a lot of people think self-care is, you know, a day at the spa, and it could be a bubble bath, and it could be your mani and your petty, it could be or whatever it is that you do. But a lot of times, the self-care that you put on you is not as sustainable as the self-care that you put in you. So when I'm speaking about self-care, I did the most simplistic thing, which I do sometimes when it gets warm. There's a Riverside coffee house by me, and I just packed up my computer and went over there, and I worked for two days this week. I worked over there. My clients even pulled up, and we did our our meetings over there. But when I tell y'all that I just sat at the edge of the river and absorbed the masculine energy of the sun and just allowed my mind to be clear, it was the most beautiful, therapeutic, cathartic thing that I could have done. It's just so amazing. Like when I'm near water, there is not a problem that exists or not a problem that can be solved. Like there's just nothing. And then I'm also reminded that water just flows. Water just flows around obstacles and it's just never stagnant and it's just always flowing. So I feel amazing because I got sun-kissed and had time by the river. So that is so I'm always going to be encouraging you all that no matter what you're doing, to prioritize your self-care and whatever that routine actually looks like for you. So now my routine is shifting a little bit where I'm adding more nature, more hikes, you know, more, more time spent near water because in the gym I build and nature I heal, right? So you got to create whatever cocktail Man, a cocktail would be good right about now. Uh, I digress. But you got to create whatever cocktail of things works for you. So I've been studying. I'm always studying something. I'm always looking at ways to grow and improve. So I have been studying options and trading options, and I'm in an options group. I made like maybe more than 500 I made $500 in a day. but I, So maybe I made about seven or eight. I didn't fully calculate it just this week. 
without really knowing what I was doing with being a whole novice, but just learning and growing because I've committed to learning and growing about money and wealth in a way that I had not before, like beyond what it is that I just do professionally, but just looking at money and wealth in other ways. The other thing is studying, becoming your own bank through cash flow insurance, because my mind works generationally. So if your mind right now is only thinking about you and how your life is going to serve you, I would just invite you to expand that a little bit because your your life is 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 purposed and meant to serve just more than you. So my mind is already thinking generationally. My daughter is 25. My daughter is doing amazing, but my mind is on her children and her children's children. And my mind is on what is going to actually outlive me, right? You know, so um, not just the spiritual values, but amassing financial wealth and a financial legacy and a set of values that my grandchildren will recognize me for. So a lot of us, we only recognize our grandparents or the, those that went before us for paying trauma and unpaid bills, right? But we can change that because just like generational trauma sometimes perpetuates through three and four generations, we can allow our blessings to go so far beyond us. So I'm studying this thing, I'm learning, and I'm growing it. And yeah, I just wanted to, I just wanted to share that. Oh, here's something else that's new. I have an opportunity to speak to about 100 or so healthcare leaders or executives on mindfulness and mind, mindfulness slash mindset. So when I tell y'all that my life is just really one of service and the more I serve, the more things unfold, I really, really mean that. And a lot of that comes from people who listen to the podcast. So I'm going to tell you again, if there's anything that you are on the fence about doing, just do it from a heart of service and just continue to do it and watch the world unfold before you. I thought I was done, but here's the other thing that's new. <laughs> this is this, so many beautiful things are happening. Let me tell y'all something. A lot of y'all don't work with me personally. I do not play about my clients. I don't play about my clients. I take them and their businesses and their lives and their success very, very seriously, so much so that I will pull up on them. So that is exactly what I'm doing. The ones that are here in Atlanta, we meet, we see one another, but I got plans already in place. I'm going to Charlotte. I'm going to Miami. I'm putting my coaching tour <laughs> uh, on the books because I need to see them face to face. I need to work with them off site and, you know, Zoom and phone and all those technology, technological things are great, but there is nothing better when two minds, two or more minds come together collectively, just like the energy and the ideas and things that come from being in the presence of other people, priceless. So that is something else that I am doing. I don't play about my clients, which is why I don't work with everybody and everybody can't work with me. So there's that. Let's get into it now, what I'm going to really be talking about today. I am going to talk more about love and relationships and specifically loving and being in relationship with Black men. Hey, I, if you don't love Black men or you are not in love or in relationship with a Black man, that's fine. But I can only speak <laughs> from my experiences because I am a Black woman. So there's that. I was actually watching an interview with this. I, I think he's a rapper. I'm not really familiar with his music, but Kevin Gates. But I was watching this interview about him 
and he was talking about his wife. And so, you you know, the whole story where people will be like, oh, hold a man down, all that kind of a thing. It wasn't that. They were asking him, they said, so your wife held you down? And he was like, no, nah, she didn't hold me down. She built me, which caught my attention. Like, wait a minute, what? He was like, no, she actually built me. But they were talking about the dynamic of their relationship and all of the behaviors because he, you know, battled with depression and all of these things. So he was doing all of these harmful things. And they were like, how did you stay with him? And he was doing all of these things. And her response was, well, basically, when you have spiritual understanding, I understood what was really at play. And she said, so while she distanced herself from him and his behaviors, and it's not that she wasn't unaffected, she understood the spiritual ramifications and that he wasn't doing it to her, he was doing it to himself. And he was saying, you know, he he can go down to his generational trauma and that he got into the relationship and as much as he wanted to trust her and trust her love, guess what it was? It was a mother wound that was perpetuating itself in their relationship. And so in all actuality, he did not trust her until he healed. Uh, he was speaking about how people heal at different rates and that kind of a thing. So that that got me, you know, thinking about that. So then I was having a conversation with a friend. Work, work with me here, right? This all just comes together. She was saying how she was going to go to therapy because she has to figure out why she keeps attracting the same kind of man. And I was like, do you keep attracting them or do you keep choosing them? Because attracting almost says like something is happening to you and you're just the victim. But choosing is just you making a conscious choice and decision to, to be responsible, own it, and do something different. So in that conversation, we just start speaking about some past relationships now, granted, I have permission to share this, just FYI, so y'all don't think I'm up here just put my friend's business. She told me that I could share it, okay? Um, so we were speaking about one of her recent relationships, and women, the beautiful souls that we are, when we love someone, the Bible even says love covers a multitude of sins. We will typically cover, you know, the faults, the flaws, things that we're not happy with, like all of those kinds of things. We will cover those things. But just in peeling back the layers and she, you know, was choosing to share some of those things with me. I found out that her partner was, mm, how can I put this? Impotent. Let's, let's just go ahead and put it that way. Impotent. Right? So I was like, wait, what? Imp imp <laughs> just, just as shocked as I am right now, I was like, wait, he was impotent? But the reason why I was so shocked is because I've had these conversations with at least three other women and men who are under 50 in their 40s have some sort of erectile dysfunction and they were impotent. And I was, it started to concern me because, of course, Sexually impotent is one thing, right? But there's another definition of impotent um, that simply means unable to, look it up, unable to take effective action, helpless or powerless. So I'm the person, this is just me, I believe that natural and spiritual things are tied together. And me wholeheartedly believing and knowing that your sexual energy is also your creative energy, the energy by which you go out and produce into the world, it just gave me a moment of pause to say, hmm, Let's dig into this a little bit deeper. So when I got the, I didn't need all the details about his sexual dysfunction, all of that, but I was really more curious as how he was showing up in life. And it was the exact same thing. Weak, 
powerless with its seeming inability or unwillingness to take action and just really show up as the man that she thought he was or that she thought he could be or the man that she needed. And I was like, I think this, this speaks to a much larger problem in many instances that Black women deal with. And a lot of times we're so busy fighting with Black men and having these conversations, these destructive conversations that put enmity between us that I don't really think that we look at like the underlying thing. I love Black men. I think Black men are, are the most beautiful, strongest men that you could ever have. But I also believe that our men have been weakened in ways that could be seemingly unrecoverable, but I don't I don't believe them to be unrecoverable. And I believe that as a result, women have been strengthened and women have been getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And women have had to do so much and pick up the slack where there has been no able or willing man, sometimes starting from the father, that now you have women in full masculine energy and dominating. And a lot of times you have men in feminine energy or seemingly weak and powerless. And I think we don't have enough of the conversation about it. And I do also believe that it was systematically designed that way since slavery. Let's let's just think about that. If you think about the breakdown of the Black family and slavery, when women could readily see their men being beat, their men being lynched, their men being taken from the family, right? What does a woman have to do in that terror? She has to figure out how to take care of her family in the absence of the man. And so nine times out of 10, you you see this, I've seen this in so many relationships, you will see the woman coddle or want to protect her sons because of the trauma that she's lived with from seeing what happened to the man. And then she she grows and cultivates her daughters to be strong because she needs to prepare her daughters on how to live in the world in the absence of a man or a father or a strong man. And I think it's still playing itself out today. There is not a one of my friends that I know who just can't hold it down. Like, they can hold it down for themselves and their their partners, even though they don't desire to do that. They could. They're capable, like, physically. They're capable emotionally. They're capable financially. And so, in essence, that's where that quote-unquote, I don't need a man comes from. A lot of it has also been fueled by feminist movements. But what I'm saying is that it has, it has created a breakdown and a dissolution in our relationships and our families. And I'm just like, Why don't we have more of a healing conversation and more of a conversation about this? So I personally don't believe that Black men are weak, but I believe that Black men are portrayed as weak. I believe that Black men are portrayed in media as weak. I believe that a lot of this has become a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I believe, too, that um, even as I was talking to my friend, I know that what happens in the absence of fathers. But I was like, tell me about his relationship with his mother. There's also a mother wound. So a lot of times women in quote unquote our brokenness and our hurt from what has happened with our fathers or that kind of thing, we don't realize that we have sons around broken feminine energy and they get accustomed to that and then they go out into the world and they have no idea 
who they are. They have no idea how to show up in a relationship. Their emotional intelligence hasn't been fully developed because of that mother wound. And then we're complaining, right? Because we're, we're a lot of Black women are living through the residue of that and the residual pain that our men have with their mothers. And I'm like, okay, something has to happen. So, something has to shift. There has to be a willingness to do something different because in essence, a man has gone from one breast, you know, with his mother, his de development has been arrested. And so now he's seeking another breast. And, and so a woman, in many instances, a whole grown woman is in an incestuous relationship with her partner because she's his mother. So you have black women who are fully capable, but now they have resentment because their men are not as strong as they would like them to be, right? resentful bitterness. I have people telling me I'm tired of being the man in my relationship. I just really need him to step up. I just really need him to do this. So I'm just telling you from, from the woman's side of this, right? I'm just actually thinking out loud. But here's what happens with women, ladies. I know we are strong. I get that. I know we are capable. I get that. But we are hardwired naturally wired to receive. If you think about a woman's physical body, everything on our bodies is designed to receive. Could it be that we have taken on so much of a role and a masculine role that we are carrying so much more than we've ever been designed by God to carry? Could it be why that could that be why we have stress levels that are through the roof? Could that be why we have so many things that are happening in our bodies, so many growths, so many other things because we are carrying things that we've never been designed by God to carry? And I get it, especially when you're a mom, it's like, okay, what am I to do, right? But I, it, I just been thinking about this a lot. But then, you know, from the man's perspective, ladies, how do we help restore our men. Because there's two schools of thoughts on this. It's just like, listen, I'm not a rehabilitation center for a Black man. So if he ain't coming and he ain't got it already together, then I don't know what to tell him, right? There's one school of thought. You you absolutely don't have to be. And I'm not, I'm not advocating that somebody heals at your expense. What I am saying, though, is that how can we be more supportive? How can we spend our time building Black men instead of tearing them down. Like even the Bible says that a wise woman builds her house and a foolish woman tears hers down with her own hands. Have we also become complicit in tearing down men with the lenses through which we view them? Have we taken on society's view and looked at them as weak and as incapable? And I'm not saying that a lot of times they haven't shown up in this way, but there's a, a scripture that says there's not a curse that comes without a cause, right? Curses don't come causeless. And so if you look at one of the strongest men that nations have been built on the backs of Black men, and so now in many instances, they're showing up and they're not able to be as effective as God has designed them to be, how might they actually feel on the inside? I'm just wondering, could we build them more? Could we pray for them more? I said last week that a lot of us are good women and we think that we're good women and a lot of us are practically off the chain, but we're spiritually lazy. Can you become the intercessor? Can you become the prayer warrior for a man who you see has lost his way, right? Can, can you become an instrument of healing? And I'm saying that as a woman who has felt the pain of dealing with 
the brokenness and the broken pieces of a Black man. I am saying that, but if we don't figure out how to repair our relationships and how to, to help one another heal, then the families and our families are what is going to continue. Our, our families are going to continue to look like they look. And what happens with fatherless homes? What happens when men are moved out of the homes? You realize how many, I wish I had looked up the statistics before I got on here, but I didn't know what I was going to talk about. But do you realize how many homes are headed by single moms? Do you realize that? Like, do you understand that this is not the way that this is designed? Because if it was, then it would be working. If it was, you wouldn't have so many embittered, angry women and also men who are angry because men have been designed to produce. Men were designed to produce. And if a man is showing up impotent with an inability to produce to the potential that he has been given, you can't tell me that he is not feeling that inwardly. And so... I'm not saying that you raise a man, that you teach a man how to be a man because you cannot. But what I am saying is that could we be instruments of healing in a greater way, instruments of support in a greater way, instruments of understanding in a greater way, understanding that you're not the only person who has experienced hurt. You're not the only person, ladies, who has experienced brokenness. You're not the only person who has experienced trauma. But if we can learn to look perhaps through the lenses of men and try to understand, become a student of the men that we say that we love, then maybe, just maybe, maybe, just maybe, we can help them heal. We can help, we can be the catalysts for healing. Let me tell you, this is what women say, look, I'm tired of projects. If he ain't already complete, then I'm not doing it. And I get all of that because Black women are tired. But what I am saying is that if you have chosen to love a Black man in today's society, by default, you have a project, okay? Whether you want to realize that or not, he is going to need some building. He is going to need some healing because even the societal pressures, the systemic pressures, everything that is required from a Black man to just show up in the world, he's dealing with things in many instances that we have no idea of because they are unspoken, right? So can you be the person who can hear his silent cries? Can you be the person who, if there's no place else that is safe for him, he knows that you are a safe space? I'm just asking. You don't have to, but you get to. But as for me, as I've just really been thinking about this thing about love and how you can choose to love and how you can love without conditions, I really myself am willing, right? to be an instrument of love for Black men in a greater way. People will say, well, why can't you be that for all men? I have a particular interest in Black men because I come from a Black man as a, as a Black woman, and I'm thinking about just like the restoration of our family. So this is not something that I can be all-inclusive about if I'm just being honest Right? I have a particular interest in seeing Black men healed, Black men restored, and seeing Black families restored because I know what it's like to be a single mother and to raise a child in the absence of a father. I know how difficult that was. I know what was required of me, right? And I did it, and I did it through God's grace. But listen, how much easier <laughs> might that have been with a Black, healthy, man by my side, right, with a two-parent household. Going back to my friend, when we were talking about this whole thing, right, going, going all the way back to him being impotent and 
him not only having erectile dysfunction, but him being impotent in life. She said he had no drive. He had no ambition. He was complacent. He was satisfied with being where he was. And as much as she tried to motivate him, he he just didn't want to do anything. But when I really thought about that, he was complacent. He didn't want to do anything. Did it ever occur to you that maybe he just gave up? Like he he had just given up and he had just checked out. He had just checked out. Maybe he felt hopeless. Maybe he didn't think like more was even possible. And so then to come and to have this high bar to meet where you, you know, you make six figures, you can handle everything without him. Like, what do you really need him for? Could he have really felt inadequate? Could he have really felt like he he was just out of his league? So ladies, this, this is a dangerous place that we we tread right here when we say, I hear this a lot. Women tell their girlfriends, this girl, he's just intimidated by you. Or you tell yourself, he's just intimidated by me, right? This this is why this didn't work, because he was intimidated. Most men are not impressed with our education. Most men are not impressed with the things that other women are impressed by, ladies, just FYI. But what I'm saying is, could this man's sense of inadequacy, his arrested development, like could all of those things, that mother wound, have really been the underlying thing that played a role in his inability to show up? And while maybe the relationship wasn't meant to work, wasn't meant to be, maybe it would not have worked um, rather than tearing him down. Because this is what happens. When we see it, women, we're going to go and attack it. You're not this. And so we'll spend more time telling a man who he's not and what he's not than who he is and what he is. So that means the only way that we can be instruments of healing to our men and ultimately to our families is to heal ourselves in a greater way. This goes, this goes back to what I was saying last week about the whole tit for tat thing, right? If you're going to keep score and I'm doing more than him and all those kinds of things, we will never get there. So I'm just inviting you to look at this, to look at our beautiful, amazing, strong, powerful men in a greater way. I can even, I can even do this. I can tell you, like, in the way that I look at the men in my family, I just labeled them all as weak and I just moved on to the next thing. Like, they're just weak and... But but when I look back at that in a more mature way, they weren't just, they, they were showing up as weak, but they were wounded. So are Black men really weak or are they really wounded? And if they're really wounded, who is going to help heal them? Who has a more vested interest in Black men than Black women when we think about our families, when we think about our legacy? So I just want you to think about that. Again, you don't have to, but you get to. But it's not But it's not just, quote unquote, your relationship at stake. It's families that are at stake. When um, families are, co- are come together in a greater way, guess what? Then we can see differences in our community. So the breakdown that we see in the Black community, if you go all the way, we're, we're talking about defunding police and police and these things and all of those things play a part. Let's go all the way back down to the breakdown of the Black family because the police can't solve a problem with fatherless homes. The police can't solve that. But what we do within our homes and being keepers of the home, not like housewives, but keepers of the environment of the home and creating environments of our home that are safe, environments of our home that are, environments in our homes that are peaceful, environments that are conducive to healing. Just what? What might be different? 
anyway, that's just my two cents. If you are dealing with a, a man, a black man in your life, and um, you are dealing with any of these challenges, I wholeheartedly believe that natural things also reflect spiritual things. And so if he is showing up as weak, if you will, perhaps he could just be wounded. And maybe you can start and help him on the pathway to healing through praying for him, through encouraging him, through building him, through doing the opposite of what the world does to him. Let me know how it goes. Thank each and every one of you for sharing space with me. I love each and every one of you. And who knows what I'm talking about next and when I'm talking about it. Just keep tuning in. That's all I can do and keep sharing. Thank you.